Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. I've lost count of the number of times I've despaired at the level of storytelling in our movies. Why do they have to be so stupid, I seem to remember saying. I'm sure most of us are crying out for intelligent movies. So where are they? Well, I've also lost count of the number of times I've said, be careful what you wish for. Even less fun than yawning through a substandard plot, you'd think, is spending the entire time on the back foot, scratching your head and feeling stupid. Or maybe not. Oh, yeah, I'm looking for a good mystery on something off the beaten track like the Maltese Falcon. Oh, that was a fascinating story. But here's one that has everything the Falcon had and more. It's Raymond Chandler's latest bestseller, The Big Sleep. There's a famous story of the filming of the great film noir The Big Sleep, based on a more than usually impenetrable novel by Raymond Chandler. Halfway through the final scene, star Humphrey Bogart suddenly asked director Howard Hawks, Wait, who killed the chauffeur? It was a loose end left dangling. Sometimes I wonder what strange fate brought me out of the storm to that house that stood alone in the shadows. As I probed into its mysteries, every clue told me a different story. But each had the same ending. Murder. Well, Hawks checked through the script, had no idea, so got in touch with the scriptwriter, William Faulkner, no less. An hour later, Faulkner confessed he was stumped too and suggested they call Raymond Chandler himself. Chandler eventually got back to them saying he couldn't work it out either, but that it didn't matter. And he was right. I like that. I'd like more. The Big Sleep is still one of the most entertaining thrillers there is, loose ends or not, and it improves on each revisit. Some movies are like that. So-so at first sight, and then the second time, all the bits fall into place. Does it matter if you don't entirely follow a movie the first time? Well, I think the answer to that is, it depends. Every instinct warned me to beware that something more dangerous, more deadly than I'd ever known before was in that room. And suddenly... There's a critically acclaimed South Korean thriller out this week with a name like The Big Sleep that's also a metaphor for death. It's called Decision to Leave. It's equally densely plotted and equally challenging to keep up with. But I know a lot of people who loved it despite or even because of the fact they were left wondering so much. Ah, <laughs> Another film this week has caused a public kerfuffle in the United States. It seems The Woman King, starring and produced by Viola Davis, plays fast and loose with the facts in its story of the all-women army known as the Amazons of the West African state of Dahomey. Some things are worth fighting for. Don't know. 
The fact that every work of historical fiction since the Iliad also plays fast and loose with the facts seems to have escaped the critics of The Woman King, which I should add is a big hit at the moment, true or not. But it does raise the question, how much inaccuracy is allowable in a film based on reality? Abraham Lincoln has asked us to work with him to accomplish the death of slavery. No one's ever been loved so much by the people. Don't waste that power. This fight is for the United States of America. A minor amount, such as films like Lincoln or Shakespeare in Love, a considerable amount, like Quentin Tarantino or Shakespeare himself. Or the full, it's pretty much all been made up level, like any film featuring Robin Hood, King Arthur or Jack the Ripper. Ninety years ago, I was a freak. Today, I'm an amateur. <laughs> I'm obliged to take you back to face the consequences of your acts. Clearly stuff to ponder, but first, a French film in which the mystery is the whole point, The Night of the Twelfth. <laughs> The Night of the Twelfth is the second French Mean Streets cop movie to come out in as many months. Like Maigret, it starts out as a methodical investigation of a murder, but it soon becomes clear it has other things on its mind than one crime. On the night of the 12th of October, two parties are held. One marks the retirement of an old police officer as he hands over the reins of the murder squad to the younger Johan. At the same time, a group of young people are also celebrating. One of them, Clara, leaves early and on the way home she's violently murdered. Johan and his older partner Marceau are in charge of the case, and like all police investigations, particularly in a French policier movie, that means talking to everyone the victim knew family, friends, lovers. Est-ce que Clara avait des ennuis? Elle tombait facilement amoureuse. Vous voulez toujours que je sorte le grand jeu, elle faisait la princesse. Elle aimait bien mon côté animal. Un baiser fort. And it transpires that there were quite a few lovers. Clara's friend Nani confesses that Clara fell in love very easily. Quite how easily becomes clear as Johan and Marceau start to unearth a string of shallow, charmless, young and not so young men. Je te jure, si c'est lui, l'assassin de Clara avec ses avocats font annuler la procédure à cause de tes conneries, je te le pardonnerai pas. Je suis sérieux, Marceau. Je te le pardonnerai pas. And as the investigation continues, Johan starts to question why a murder like this of a young, attractive woman invariably takes this line of questioning. Who did Clara sleep with? Did it make any ex-lovers jealous? Who's on trial here, he wonders, and who's really being investigated? The case starts to affect the two partners differently. The single Johan lives alone and can cut himself off emotionally. Marceau is married but on the verge of divorce and his anger comes out in the investigation, possibly endangering the case. He finds it hard to control his fury at these worthless men, any one of whom he's sure could have killed Clara. 
PJ, on raconte que chaque enquêteur tombe un jour ou l'autre sur un crime qu'il honte. J'en peux plus de tous ces connards. Ça me rend une As the investigation struggles, they start to wonder what they're doing, building up this mountain of paperwork, reports, transcriptions of interviews, leads and dead ends. We're fighting evil with reports, complains Marceau. On fait un boulot bizarre quand même. On interroge les gens, on fouille dans leurs affaires, on écoute leurs conversations et on écrit des rapports, des rapports et des rapports. C'est ça. On combat le mal en rédigeant des rapports. When later a sharp new female officer is brought onto the case, she points out the unpalatable fact that in crimes like this, men are overwhelmingly the people most likely to commit them, and they're also the people generally investigating them. En tout cas, c'est toujours les femmes qu'on fait brûler, commencer par Jeanne d'Arc et puis toutes les sorcières. Vous trouvez pas ça bizarre vous que ce soit majoritairement les hommes qui commettent les crimes et majoritairement les hommes qui sont censés les résoudre Je sais pas. Hanging over the night of the 12th are more unpleasant but unavoidable statistics. At the start, we're told that 20% of cases like this remain unsolved. And even if an arrest is made, there's no guarantee of a conviction. As Clara's friend Nani loses faith that the case will ever be solved, she tells the police the reason Clara was killed is obvious. C'est quoi cette obsession à vouloir cramer les filles? Pourquoi vous êtes tous à fantasmer là-dessus? Vous les avez pourquoi les avez tués? She was killed because she was a woman. Young, pretty, happy, someone whose very existence was enough to inflame someone to murder. We're also told that for many people in the justice system, cops, lawyers, even judges, there's always one case that obsesses them forever, the one that got away. Clara avait 21 ans. C'est pas parce que les médias s'y sont pas intéressés qu'il faut pas s'en occuper. Quand on trouve pas dans les premières semaines, ça devient très difficile. Even when a sympathetic female judge agrees to give the Clara case more resources, it seems to Johan that it still may never get solved, like an Agatha Christie novel with the last page torn out. But The Night of the Twelfth, written and directed by Dominic Moll, was never really about who done it. Elle se met à vous tourner dans la tête jusqu'à l'obsession. Arrête, ça vous bouffe de l'intérieur. Maintenant, arrête-toi who done it implies that a wrong like that can be righted with just one convenient arrest. But this isn't Poirot or even Maigret. As Detective Johan says at one stage, right now there's something wrong between men and women, and not just on one night. Recently, the United States belatedly discovered the black audience. In fact, several black audiences. Oscar-winning art films like Moonlight, mainstream biopics like King Richard and Black Klansman, upmarket genre films like Get Out and Nope, but particularly box office smashes like Black Panther. Suddenly, the door was open for big-budget blockbusters like The Woman King. An evil is coming. That threatens our kingdom, our freedom. The Woman King was indebted to Black Panther in another way. The fictional kingdom of Wakanda boasted an invincible army of women soldiers, an army based on a real-life example, the notorious Amazons of Dahomey. 
Writer and producer Maria Bello was sure there was a story in there, and she took it to movie star Viola Davis. But we have a weapon. They are not prepared for. There's undoubtedly a story here, but it's not quite as simple and uplifting as the bald outline suggests. The West African country of Dahomey certainly had an all-women army, the Agoje. This was noteworthy not just in Africa. In the early 19th century, women's rights of any sort barely existed anywhere else. You are called to join the King's Guard. No kingdom in all of Africa shares this privilege. Train hard, fight harder. But as many angry commentators have pointed out, Dahomey was hardly a feminist paradise. Its main economy was slave trading. It was a major port where other African countries came to sell their captives to European and American slavers. I'm not saying this fact stops it being a fascinating story, but it's not quite this one. to march into battle against those who enslave us. Viola Davis plays Naniska, the general of the Agoje. At the start of The Woman King, Dahomey and its King Gezo, played by John Boyega, are under threat on two fronts. On one side is their traditional enemy, the Oyo Empire, and on the other, European colonists, not just visiting slavers, but people who want to take over all of Africa. My king, the Europeans wish to conquer us. They will not stop until the whole of Africa is theirs. In fact, the land grab that saw just about the whole continent stolen by the likes of England, France, Spain, Belgium and the rest was yet to come. But to deflect attention from King Gezo's enthusiastic slaving, it's a good idea to bring in a European baddie. In this case, Portugal drew the short straw, led by the evil Santo and the quite nice Malik. We must fight back for our people. Maneska, you're asking me to take them to war. This is background to the two main stories which focus on two contrasting members of the Agoje. There's the general, Naniska, attempting to influence the king towards the right side of history. And there's raw recruit Nawi, sold into the army after she rejected the husband her family had arranged for her. I see you flirting. This is not allowed? You know it is not. Why not? The men who are soldiers have wives and children, but the Agoje cannot... Now is that fair? Were you this arrogant with your family? No wonder they gave you away. The woman king of the title was historically accurate, particularly in Dahomey, modern-day Benin. A woman could earn the status of sharing the throne with the hereditary king. And the conscripting of young women like Nawi was very common in the reign of King Gezo. I, I want to be with the others. I want to fight for my king. Your tears mean nothing. Well, apart from the exotic setting, The Woman King is every new kid in the army movie ever made. It follows Nawi as she works her way up the ranks. I know, we're going to need a montage here. She makes friends with two other rookies and is taken under the wing of a hard-bitten sergeant played by Lashana Lynch from the last James Bond movie. I offer you a choice. 
fight or we die. Nishan is rather good in this too, as is South African Tuso Mbedu, who plays a young Nawi. Just so long as you accept that this is a popcorn muncher with about as much connection to dusty old history as Braveheart or Gladiator. It could have been a better film if it had stuck closer to the truth. But for the producers of The Woman King, better isn't the same thing as more profitable. The purpose of films like this is to get to make more big Hollywood films, not small worthy ones. Cynics could draw a parallel with Dahomey's profitable slave trade, but I hope that doesn't prevent future films from digging a little deeper into other African stories. The rise of South Korea as a producer of tough, intelligent and hugely successful projects like the movie Parasite and the TV series Squid Game has been remarkable. Now comes a dark, modern-day film noir called Decision to Leave, written and directed by one of South Korea's leading filmmakers, Park Chan-wook of Old Boy fame. Where Old Boy was visceral, florid and incredibly violent, Decision to Leave is cool, tense and, under the surface, painfully romantic. It's the vertigo to Old Boy's psycho. It starts on a police investigation led by Detective Jang Hai Jun of a mysterious incident. A wealthy businessman had been rock climbing and fell to his death. Jang goes to see the victim's wife and she's certainly someone to look at. Song Xiao Rei has got film noir femme fatale written all over her. For a start, she's foreign, Chinese in fact, and significantly, she doesn't seem too shocked about her husband's sudden death. Well, you don't need to be an expert in film noir, or film in general, to start putting Ms. Song in the frame. And you're probably already guessing that Detective Jang, the poor sap, is likely to fall for her exotic charms. We've already seen that Jang and his wife aren't getting on that well at the moment. They only see each other at weekends, and Mrs. Jang regularly teases him that he can't handle the quiet life out in the country. He's only happy, she says, when he's got a violent case to investigate. (laughs) 
But soon, decision to leave deserts the rather beaten track of the usual film noir, and having moved into new and increasingly complex territory, I started to struggle to keep up. It becomes clear, well, clear to the police, that Ms Song couldn't have committed the crime. Some technical evidence gives her a cast-iron alibi, and even more technical evidence proves it probably wasn't even murder at all. But Jang has spent so much time staking out the glamorous widow that even after she ceases to be a person of interest, he can't stop. Until one night, she sees him watching her. There's a tortured will-they-won't-they turn to the plot, but confusing matters further are the arrival of clearly significant characters from I don't know where. Where did the sinister Mr Slappy come from? Why has Ms Song taken up with a glib, shallow con man? And where does Detective Jang's wife go when she's had enough of her unsatisfactory home life? Incidentally, these aren't entirely rhetorical questions. As the plot becomes more and more convoluted, my grasp on it became increasingly slippery. Mind you, I find that with many complex murder mysteries. Some of my favourite examples took two or three viewings to really get a handle on them. Decision to Leave is certainly brilliantly executed. It was a popular winner of the Best Director Award at Cannes this year. And I've met several fans of the film who rave about it. And yes, they all freely admit they didn't follow every step of the plot either. One to be seen more than once, I suggest, and if you like the genre, it won't be any imposition. It looks great, slipping in and out of reality. The acting is engrossing, advancing from dogged police investigation to emotional nightmare. Melancholy and romantic, it says on the can of Decision to Leave. Yes, that too. And speaking of a decision to leave, that's it for this week's show. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.